I okay. I was just telling somebody the other day you're smart. I'm gonna have to take Thank that you. back. Well, I'm smart in not math. Like, okay, my Wait, SATs. I'm smart in not math. <laughs> yes. Can I can I get a t-shirt made up no. that says that? I'm no. smart in not math. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the debrief episode 49. Very, very excited today. Uh, We are one episode away from 50, which is going to be a milestone monumental occasion for us. Very excited. I'm your friendly pal here, Justin Party, along with my good friends. I'm Stephanie Keene. And I am the PMB. Pastor Matt Brown. Well, uh, we are going to jump into the show here in a bit where Pastor Matt is going to hook us up with real answers to some tough questions about the Bible and your sermon from the weekend. But before we do that, we have a bunch of really great news about the show. First of all, many of you guys know this, we have been trying to hire a new content producer for the show for the last several months. And uh, we've been looking high and low to find the right person. And I am very happy to announce, lo and behold, we have found that right person. And it is none other than Stephanie Keene. What if I didn't know that? That'd be funny. Oh, that would have been that would have been a great, that would have been a great surprise okay, for you in that I, moment. I did not know that. Yeah, she's going to be. Well, yeah. we're making some shifts with her job, and she's going to be changing, yeah. and she's going to be spending more, more time during the week getting a chance to focus here in on the show. What is that because person? you don't want to serve me? Is that the deal? That was the plan. Mm. You want to become less like Christ? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm she's going to make serve myself more better people, than you. More people. So, so we're bringing in yeah. somebody else new. I'm going to serve you in a completely like different way now. I'm not ready for all these changes. She's getting married. She's stopping serving. Yeah. Are you going to keep praying or what? We'll see. What about Bible reading? Is that <laughs> yeah. going out the window too? It's on the fence. Yeah. Well, she's at least going to have to read a lot of the Bible as she prepares for the show here. So that should be that would be a good change. That's going to be. Good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Huh? Yeah. Well, we are very excited about that. Uh, hopefully, the show is going to start getting better, even better here pretty soon. She already knows it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So you can join me in congratulations to our friend Stephanie Keene next weekend on the show. Oh man, we should have done some. I'm just thinking back to hindsight here. We should have had some drum roll before the oh, announcement. No. Can I share something? Thinking back yes, to please hindsight. share something. I feel like I don't even know you. Oh, no. Like that should have come up at some point in our conversations that you were this new person that we were well, looking just, for. Well, it just, I got told on like Thursday. Oh, you got told. I got told. Oh. Yes. Hey oh. there. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> well, yeah. sorry about that. So that should come up in your conversations, really. I just got told, hey, you want to do this? And I said, sure, sounds down. I figured mm. you were down. You knew? Well, I'm down, but I would have liked to have been. Note to self. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, Note to self. Yeah. Guys, this is a real talk about a, yeah. how we do real things yeah. on the D. Today is Justin Party's last day on the yeah, show. We are so buddy. thankful for everything for that he's job, contributed. Though. Exactly. I'll <laughs> yeah. definitely be there at the live show uh, as a fan, guys. As a fan. Loving it here. Don't forget to wear your uh, debrief shirt when you yeah. come. <laughs> that is right. Well, listen, next Tuesday night, January 24th, is our live show, episode 50. We're going to be downtown at the UCR Arts Block, downtown Riverside. It's going to be great. There's all kinds of good stuff that is happening there. That's right. So make sure you show up early to grab a seat. Our doors will open at 6.30. The show is going to start at 7. We're going to have a really great time. And since we want to make sure there's enough room for everyone, and if you're not sure if you're going to make it or not, we're going to make sure to put this live on Facebook, which we just decided to do today. I'm exactly, really exactly. So there's 150 seats that are available to us capacity, but there's standing room so we can get up to 300 folks in there. Definitely do what you can to try and get there early so that you uh, are seated in the best possible spot as well. We've also got some really fun things that are going to be happening that night, some sweet giveaways and stuff like that. So here's 
here's a excitement piece number one. We are on Instagram now, so you can find us at Woo. the debrief show. You can find us at the debrief show, and mm-hmm. if you follow us there uh, between now and the live show, follow the debrief show on Instagram. Tag two friends. We're doing a post about coffee, and on the night of the event, if you are there, we're going to give away a sweet little coffee gear setup, some beans, and a brand new the debrief coffee mug, which is going to be available for sale starting that night. So mm. some new debrief merch, and you can win that one. Plus, there's one other really awesome thing. We want you to wear your debrief t-shirts. Tell oh, them why, right. Stephanie Keen. Well, that's because if you wear your debrief sh- t-shirt to our debrief live show on Tuesday, January 24th, you can get a debrief sticker for $1. That's a savings of $2. Yeah. I tried to say really? debrief yeah. as many times in there. Yeah. yeah, that's a, oh, I don't do math. Couldn't tell you what a discount that mm. is, but it's a good one. It's a substantial amount of percentage points. Yeah. So what kind of coffee do they get? Uh, we're going to bring him yeah. some, we're going to hook him up with a bag of beans from yeah, one of our favorite coffee. local. I had a bad coffee place. experience yesterday. No. Yeah. I was in Big Bear. Mm-hmm. Got done snowboarding, and we went to Starbucks. It had a B rating. We're not going to go to. We're no, not going to no, give no, them a bag yeah. of Starbucks. I assure you that. We're and I was a little curious because I'd never seen a Starbucks with a B rating, and then we went inside. And you understood why. Understood. And I understood why. Oh, mm. oh bad coffee experiences like cut deep yes. into the it hurt me. Of the team, crew here. The debrief. deeply. Well, I'm sorry you had a bad experience, yeah. though. But speaking of great experiences, one lucky person is going to win a VIP upgrade the night of the show. Mm-hmm. So right before the show starts and we jump into the podcast portion of the night, we are going to upgrade somebody. So if you are wearing your debrief t-shirt to the night of the show, you will be eligible to win a um, the VIP upgrade for you and your friends. It's going to be sweet. We're going to call it the Pastor Matt VIP Upgrade Suite. It's not really Whoa. sweet. We don't have like yeah. box seating or anything like but that. But it will be sweet. It will be. Oh, yeah, exactly. It'll be sweet and it'll be suitable to Pastor Matt's taste. So you're going to love yeah. it. You're going to love it. We're going to try to, I think, pull in the very couch that we started recording the debrief on. Exactly. Nice. So, it's going to be awesome. What about Touchdown nice couch, Jesus? Oh, let's oh, bring it. He'll yeah, let's bring him. Let's bring him. Yeah. Stephanie, people you're in charge of that. Touchdown. Touchdown. Right. I will throw him in the front seat of my car. <laughs> Maybe we can do, people can have a selfie option with Touchdown Jesus. I don't think Lenny has seen Touchdown Jesus yet. No, we'll make that. Oh, he's right next door. We'll make that happen. He is close. He's always close. He's near. So where you Brief t-shirts. If you don't already have one, good news is they're going 50% off on sale that night, so you can pick them up for 10 bucks mm-hmm. if you want to support Sandal Shirts and the show. And just uh, wear a really sweet t-shirt. Yeah, That's one of my exactly. too. A nice one. Well, last final reminder about the live show. Don't bring your kids. There's it's not a kid-friendly event. There's no child care, nothing like that, no place for them to be. And it's very loud and echoey. And we do not want to hear crying children on the podcast. Says the father of four small children. That so was good. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right, you ready to get in some questions from uh, the, the show? We got questions that people have submitted from our Facebook page. People have submitted, sent in via email uh, online at debrief.show, and a bunch of them are uh, about your sermon. And we've also got some great, great follow-up questions. So let's jump right into it. Let's do it. All right, this first question is from Enrique from Facebook, and he says, being a Christian for many years, I sometimes find myself being comfortable and relaxed when it comes to my faith. One could almost say that the Christian life can get repetitive and certain aspects can become a second thought. What are some things you think can help ignite a Christian's faith? Ignite. That's a great question. And Enrique, I love your albums. They're awesome. So, <laughs> oh uh, sorry. He it, probably gets that like fantastic. all the time. Fantastic. It's a great I'm name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Enrique. My name, Matt Brown, is Blah. So, yeah, I, I, Enrique, that's a great question. I think you need to understand that your relationship with God is like all relationships. Relationships take work. They take investment. You need to be rested. You need to be inspired. Uh, you need to have time, uh, you know, like if you're in a, in a dating or a marriage relationship for romance, it needs to be intentional. And so you have to have the same things with God. God is a relational God. And so what that means is it's not going to be a mountaintop experience forever. You have to work 
at it and you have to make time. And so for me, man, I, I like to uh, just connect with God. For me, uh, exercising, being out, uh, always inviting God into every aspect of the things that I enjoy. And um, I know that my relationship with my wife is the same way when we do things together that we enjoy. Like uh, we, she likes to ski, I like to snowboard. When we do that together, we just feel closer. So I invite God into the things that I enjoy doing. And and one of those things, to be honest with you, Enrique, is, uh, man, I just love enjoying God's creation when I'm surfing. I'm out in the waves and, uh, you know, it's a good time to be close with God when sharks are nearby. You know, that's always, <laughs> it's always a positive time to have the Lord, uh, God Almighty with yes. you uh, when there's an animal with teeth that could eat your leg off. So, so that's what I would do, Enrique. I would find something that you enjoy doing, um, that's not just routine and mundane because no matter, you know, how hard you try reading the Bible every day at some point is going to become, you know, kind of just something that you do. Uh, Going to church is going to be kind of just something that you do. And so we have to fight against that and look for uh, God in other experiences in other places. And for me, what that does is that enhances my weekend experience. So when I've had a great time with God during the week, man, God is so present and so powerful on the weekend. And remember, relationships are not something that you can microwave. It's something that takes time. Uh, That's one of the reasons that God wants to spend forever with you, Enrique, is because that's how long it's going to take for you to get to know who God is Mm -hmm. Um, because he's that vast, he's that amazing. You know, uh, eternity will never be boring because every single day we will learn something new about God. you know, we will begin to learn and know the unknowable and, and see the unseeable. It's going to be an incredible thing. So, um, you know, Enrique, it's really up to you. What are the things that you enjoy? I mean, as long as it's not sin, how do you know what that is? Read the Bible. Uh, it will point you in the right direction of what's sin and what's not sin and and learn to incorporate God um, in your process. So for me, I like to listen to sermons. I don't listen to my own. That just always feels weird. Um, I listen to other people's sermons while I'm working out. Uh, I like to lift weights and that's where, you know, I like to... Um, hear a sermon. Sometimes I just listen to the Bible. I, I, I'm an auditory learner. Mm-hmm. So I just listen to the Bible and um, it always needs to be a book that is a narrative version. So something about story. So I wouldn't encourage you, you know, Proverbs doesn't work real well, you know, listening audibly, but first uh, and second Kings, first and second Samuel, uh, Genesis, things that are story oriented, the gospels, those things work really, really well uh, just to listen to. So great question, Enrique. I'll be praying for you and just know that God is super passionate about his relationship with you and is waiting for you to be as passionate uh, with him. And just know it's gonna ebb and flow. There's gonna be times of extreme closeness and there's gonna be time of perceived distance. And what that means is your relationship is real. So Hmm. great question. Pastor Matt, you have in the past, I think you did a whole series on Gary Thomas. I just looked it up on Amazon, his book called Sacred Pathways. Yeah, great book. Great, great job. Mm. So that's like a book that helps you figure out maybe yeah, it's not so, nature for yeah, you. So Gary talks about, um, you know, ways that people connect with him and uh, he goes through nine different specific pathways. You know, some people connect in a more formal way. Some people connect in nature. Some people connect, you know, socially, some people connect isolated. And so you need to discover your pathway, but that's a great book by Gary Thomas. And it's called the nine pathways. So I'd pick that up Enrique. Great mm-hmm. job. Mental race for you today. Yeah, totally. Well, good. the most, you know, personally impactful sermon that I've ever experienced at Sandals Church was, uh, during that sermon series. So I... Do you remember not, what your pathway I not, was? I have not forget it. I do not remember my exact particular so pathway. So not that impactful. Well, no, 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 but it, it totally impacted me during a, a different way. But he knows the pathways exist now. Yeah, exactly. So. I think mine is somewhat nature. Like the mm-hmm. when I was going to preach, I was really, really nervous about preaching. So I, I literally went into my backyard, spent six hours out there just pulling weeds and working on the mm-hmm. trees, the little orchard that we've got going. You know, it was very soothing and connecting to God and all this yeah, kind of stuff. I always get a little nervous with you when we're in the wilderness. Do you remember that time when I was out <laughs> praying and... 
all of a sudden you had your shirt off in the woods and you were screaming like a bear. Do you remember that? I was howling like a wolf. Oh, howling like a wolf. Specific. I don't know what it was, but I knew it was a terrifying animal. And it was actually a little disruptive to my time with God. I apologize. Mm. We were all in a time of solitude and I was having a great moment with the Lord and I forgot that howling other like a wolf would impact mountain. the other people up on the mountain. Well, like he's super pale and easily <laughs> spotted yes. in the wilderness. So it not, was, you're not cut out for the wilderness. It buddy. was terrifying, dude. I was like, there's an albino bear yelling I at me. I climbed a summit. I was very excited. I didn't think I was going to be able to get up to there. And, and I and did. You did it and scared me to death. Mm. It was great. Well, <laughs> that is uh, memories with Pastor Matt. <laughs> okay, next question. This comes from Jeff. He also wrote in uh, via Facebook. He says, Matt, I'd love to hear how being real and the gospel interplay with each other. The gospel always leads us to being real, but can we be real without the gospel? Yeah, you know, I think you can be real in areas of your life, but what we're talking about is true authenticity in all areas, which is why the vision of Sandals Church is threefold, self, God, and others. In order for you to be truly real, you have to reflect in those three categories. So, um, you know, a psychologist maybe can help you be real with yourself and you can go on a journey for self-discovery and all of that stuff's great. But the Bible says that your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And so mm-hmm. to truly know yourself, you have to know God. And so you need those two things. And you can't do that on your own. And we're going to talk about this next week that one of my favorite verses is, Lord, keep me from lying to myself. So self-deception is a 24-7, you know, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week reality for us. And so we need other people to speak into our lives because oftentimes, like the parable of, you know, the plank in your eye and the Mm -hmm. speck in the other, we can see the tiniest flaw in others, but we're blind to the plank in our own eyes. And so we need other people to help us, you know, reflect. And, um, you know, for example, um, there are some people who say, "I, I don't know what my giftedness is. And I'm like, I know what your giftedness is and I can speak into their life instantly and just, you know, and literally a person who's been wrestling for 20 or 30 years with, I don't know what I'm good at. And in five minutes I can say, this is what you're good at because it's easy for me to spot. So it's not just the negative things that people can see in your life, but it's the positive things as well. Um, And we need community. And so um, the gospel leads us into Luke 2.52, Jesus Christ grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God in favor with men. That is, Jesus was real with himself, God, and others. And so it's the uh, um, the outline for the life of Jesus. How did Jesus grow? How did Jesus become everything that God wanted him to be? Well, he was real with himself. He grew in wisdom and stature. He figured out what he could do and couldn't do. You know, uh, Philippians tells us that Jesus Christ was limited. He was limited physically. He was limited, um, you know, in terms of not understanding everything that that God knows. He he chose to limit that. So he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He was dependent upon God. And the Bible says he grew in relationship with God and ultimately in favor with people. So Jesus was very, very well liked and he interacted with people very, very well. And so that's why, you know, Christianity is not something that you can just do by yourself. You need people. You need to be in community where people actually know you mm-hmm. uh, and are brave enough to speak truth in your life, both positive positive and negative. Without that, you will never be the Christian that God has called you to be. You will never be a full functioning Christian divorced from relationship. So, um, and that's just the truth. There's a um, great book. We'll talk about this in a couple weeks. It's called The Four Loves and it's written by C.S. Lewis. It's a fantastic book. And what C.S. Lewis noticed is, you know, he has a group of friends and they're all together and one of them dies. And what he realizes is what he didn't just lose was the friend who died, but he actually lost a part of each one of his friends. Mm. Because what he realized is that specific friend that died brought something specific out in the other person. You know, just like on our show, God forbid something would happen to one of us, 
not only would we say if Justin passed away, not only would we lose Justin, but the debrief would never be the same again Mm -hmm. because parties, you're going to bring out something in Stephanie that can only be seen when you're present Mm -hmm. and, 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 or if it was me and that's the way that it works. And so it is only in community that we can truly discover ourselves because other people bring out who we are. And, um, and that's huge. And a lot of Christians, you know, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Then they don't love Jesus. They, they just don't because Jesus is the church and uh, he claims it as his body and his presence and power is manifest in that. And we need community. So that's a great, great uh, question, Jeff. And, and I hope that helps. I was kind of thinking like, even as you're talking about Jesus growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, do you think that some of that ability to be healthy in community comes as a part of that growing process? Because I think some people like are naturally really great with people. Some people really struggle with that. Do you think some of growing and being better at connecting with other people, letting other people in comes from that process of spiritual growth and development? Oh, absolutely. I mean, relationships is the path for spiritual growth that God has for you. Mm-hmm. There is no other path. So, so part of the narrow road that leads to life is communal life. It is knowing, interacting, and being with other people. And if you're frustrated with your relationship with God, I'm going to guess you're isolated and alone and you are not living in authentic community because you're missing out. Um, like some of you guys, you know, you come to San Jose Church, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so close when Matt preaches. Why is that? Um, I just referred to myself in the third person. That was a little weird. Uh, awkward. Okay. Um, but what happens is, is God is revealing a part of who he is through me. And so that's just the way that God reveals himself. And so the same thing as community group, when you go into community group, you're going to see God reveal himself through personality, um, you know, through the sexes, through men, through women, uh, through people of various ages with various struggles. And you're going to see and experience things that you would not see and experience. Some of the most powerful moments I've had with God is in community. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but again, it's a relational process and you're right. Some people are naturally gifted at it, but this is what I would say is those people oftentimes settle for shallow relationships because it's easy. Hmm. Whereas maybe the person who's introverted and been isolated, they have to work really, really hard at it. And so they get the full benefits of community because it's it's labor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just like, you know, what marriages are the healthiest? Those who work the hardest. And, um, you know, again, like I said this past weekend, that's why Tammy and I, I think have a great marriage because we've really, really worked at it. Um, and um, I think relationships are worth working for. So great question. Cool. Well, Justin's going to read another follow-up question. This one is from Timothy on Facebook. It doesn't work as well when you do it. I'm sorry. I just was, I thought we could all try and <laughs> refer to ourselves in the third person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right when I did it, I was like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> all so right, I'm we just gotta, trying to be real with you. We're in a relationship trip. here. You know, so. Thanks guys. Maybe, yeah. maybe let's just pick yeah, a Yeah, Stephanie and I want to be deeply real with you right now. Mm-hmm. And we both agree in unity with the power of the Holy Spirit that that was awkward. Mm. I think all the listeners said amen. Yeah. Everyone is amening in their car. Okay. I'm going to try and just speak some positive thoughts into my own heart and soul right now to uh, <laughs> You got this next one, buddy. All right. Timothy from Facebook asks, uh, when it comes, man, oh, Timothy, this question is so good. When it comes to being real, if your older generation of Christian family expresses disappointment in you for sharing who you are, what's the best way to maintain that relationship with them while also being who God wants you to be? Wow, read that question again. That yeah, was so I'm, good. I actually feel like I want to cry because I totally, I mean, I get this, man. When it comes to being real, if your older generation of Christian family expresses disappointment in you for sharing who you are, what's the best way to maintain that relationship with them while also being who God wants you to be? Yeah, man, that's just so heavy. And uh, Timothy, I, I, my heart just breaks for you and I, and I just appreciate you. And let me just say that the older generation doesn't have a category for real. Um, for example, you know, my dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor for my entire life. If my dad was real in the way that I'm real, he would have got fired growing up. 
I mean, literally there would have been a deacon's meeting right after church and he's done and we're homeless. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there just isn't a category for that. You know, the older generations appreciated fakeness. I mean, they, they just, they just did, you know, they wanted the illusion of, um, you know, something that's not real. I mean, you think about the sixties, you know, uh, John F. Kennedy and his wife, right? This picturesque, perfect family. And then you mm-hmm. read, I mean, the guy was a serial cheater and they had a horrible relationship and it was just, I mean, it, it wasn't, um, what's the word they use to describe it? Camelot. It wasn't Camelot at all. It was a disaster. Right. Um, but that generation didn't want that. They wanted the picture of perfection. And uh, I don't know at what point America fell in love with that, but but we did. And so what we need to do is we need to throw that off and pursue who we are. So first thing I would say is have grace for your, your parents, your friends, yeah. your family members, and just know that they're coming at it from a different perspective. And And know this, real starts wherever you're at. So mm. they don't need to start where I'm at or where you're at, Justin or Stephanie. They need to start where they're at. I've been in authentic community for 20 years. Um, I'm at a different place than most people are. Mm-hmm. Some people are just, you know, discovering this. Some people, some people don't like it. Um, and, and, and you just need to be okay with that. But the important part is that you understand that your very soul is at stake here. The truth will set you free, Timothy. And so um, you need to not become, uh, you know, an authenticity Pharisee where you just judge everybody else because they're not willing to be real and, and, and just let people be where they're at and just talk about this is where I'm at. And I'm so sorry that they expressed disappointment. And, you know, I, I get it, man. You know, your parents want your friends, family, whatever, they want the best for you. And, and maybe they worship an idealized view of you. And, and no, but nobody, nobody is worthy of the idolized view that people have of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, just commit to them that you're doing the very best you can. And you're on this road to discovering who God's called you to be and celebrate with them the joy that you have in your heart from what you're experiencing. And maybe that will encourage them to be a little more real. You know, I've watched my own parents. Um, you know, my dad now has adopted this idea of being real at his church and it's a small country church in Northern California. And Hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're going to start from their level and where they're comfortable at. And, and I think that's fantastic. Um, this is new to them. This is fresh to them. It's something that I've been processing through for years and years and years, but I celebrate the fact that, you know, my own parents have said, okay, I think this is a good thing. Um, so just have grace for people, have grace for people. You know, the story this week of the, of the tax collector and the Pharisee is we can all, if we're not careful, become the Pharisees and judge others. And uh, we need to have enough love for people that we say, okay, I'm gonna give you some forgiveness in this area. So my heart goes out to you, bud, it's, it's not easy. I want to, one little thing I think I've learned is, you know, trying to follow you on a lifetime journey of being real. Uh, sometimes it feels like it's not necessarily, dis- I perceive it as maybe disappointment in me that someone is expressing, but it can also be maybe just disappointment in their own selves, right? In their mm-hmm. relationship. Um, because we all want success and what's mm-hmm. best for other people around us. And sometimes it's hard for us to really empathize with people when they share you know, the deep parts of their life or their moments. So just knowing that maybe some of that disappointment is not necessarily uh, about you or who you are, Timothy. There's a lot of, I think, inner hurt and disappointment that goes along with some of these hard conversations of being real with others. And and I think a great conversation to have like with your parents, um, you know, I mean, there was a period of time where, you know, I was sinning incredibly, you know, I was an embarrassment to my family and how I was raised. And I know that that caused my parents a great deal of grief. Um, and so what I would say to, to all parents who are struggling with the fact that, hey, my kid's telling me these things. And, 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 and let's be honest, really what's happening is you're afraid you blew it. 
I wasn't a good enough parent. I, I should have been better. Um, yeah. And so what happens is, Timothy, your confession leads to conviction to your parents and they feel like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And they're either going to embrace that. And let me say that no parent is good enough. But this is what I would say to every parent. You need to be set free by this. Is your father in heaven perfect? Absolutely. He's mm-hmm. a perfect father. One of my favorite songs, he's a good, good father. Does my behavior reflect how good my heavenly father is? No, mm-hmm. I make sins, I make mistakes, I blow it. That is not a reflection of who God is. It's a reflection of my own personal mistakes and my own personal journey. And so, you know, there is no father, there is no parent on earth that's better than God. And yet his children are idiots. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to understand that and just give ourselves grace as parents. Our kids are gonna make their own mistakes. They're, they're on their own journeys and hopefully, right, it ends in salvation. Um, you know, the, the story of the prodigal son, man, I, I love that story in, um, Luke, uh, is it 15? Yeah. yeah Luke 15. Luke 15. Um, you know, a lot of people call it the story of the prodigal son. It has nothing to do with the prodigal son. It mm-hmm. should be the story of the loving father. Mm-hmm. It's the story about a dad and his love for his two sons. Mm-hmm. He loves them both. He loves the one that's an idiot and went out and partied and he loves the one that's self-righteous, you know? I mean, Luke 15 is the tax collector and the Pharisee and yeah. God loves both kids. And so is, is able to allow them to grow through that journey. So I'll be praying for you, uh, Timothy. Um, I know it's tough and just know being real is a foreign concept to many people, especially religious people. Mm. So, mm. All right, this next question comes from Alex from the website. He says, how do you study the Bible? I'd like to think I know the word of God, but I don't really know the word of God. Any suggestions? I've only read the Bible completely once and I'm currently working on it again. Yeah, so the first thing I would say, the first step for every Christian is go out and get a good study Bible. That, that's the first thing that I would get. Mm-hmm. I think study Bibles are the best way to go. You're gonna learn everything you need to know from a study Bible. So what I like about study Bible is every single chapter begins with a page or two introduction. This is the book. This is when it was written. This is why it was written. This is its major theme and this is its major purpose. And here's the things that you need to look for. I can't emphasize enough. You don't need to go to seminary, get a study Bible. We have more resources today available to Christians and that will change your life. Yeah, so absolutely. read through the Bible like like you did. Um, I try to read through the Bible every year, but I also like with the debrief, right? I'm picking a book that I'm studying. And so I would do those two things together. So have your casual reading plan where I would suggest that you read at least one chapter a day. Um, try to do that every day. Some chapters, you know, you know, I have a little more time to study. I try to read five chapters a day, but this is my job. Mm-hmm. So I have a little more time than most people. Um, so, and I read through the Bible a little more quickly than most people, but I always read through and remind myself uh, by reading the uh, the little quick introduction of the book because there's 66 books. It's easy to forget all of those things. Um, and there's been many, many books that have been written about God, about church, about history. And so I constantly need to be reminded about that. And, um, um, you know, I think that that is, that is the most beneficial. So read the Bible front to back. Um, so that you kind of understand the story of God and always read the introductory chapter because it will explain to you what the author is trying to communicate. Uh, The person, whoever it was, who wrote the book down in its final form is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's huge. We got one more question that this one came through on our Facebook page right here, right before right, before we start recording, Steph. All right. So this question comes from Aaron and he says, my fiance had just recently started talking on the phone with her biological father who she had never met. He was a former drug addict and he had promised her that he would stay clean for her and her daughter. She didn't really know how to deal with him reentering her life unexpectedly. And then about a week ago, he passed away from an overdose because he was upset that she wasn't talking to him as much as he had wanted her to. Now she feels like this is her fault. What would God want her to know in this moment of darkness? Yeah. The first thing is it's not your fault. You know, drug addiction is a horrific disease. 
Um, and her dad, you know, I mean, there's a reason she didn't know him for a long time. I would just say, praise God for the few moments that you had with him and, and take peace in knowing that he wanted a relationship with you. That's, you know, mm-hmm. but ultimately his demons were greater than he could handle and it has nothing to do with you. Uh, children are not responsible for the sins of their parents. It's a classic example of what kids feel. They feel responsible for divorce. They feel responsible for their finances. They feel responsible for their death. And um, it's just it's just one of the things that we we feel. It is not your fault. Um, it has nothing to do with you. Uh, you know, oftentimes drug addiction is something that comes back in people's lives because they can't deal with stress and anxiety. And so the addiction is the coping mechanism that allows them to be temporarily numb from whatever it is they're feeling. So whether or not your dad was, you know, bummed about uh, not having a relationship with you or not, the reality is um, addiction was his coping mechanism for dealing with life's stress you may have simply been one of those stress, but it may not have been you. I mean, you don't know. Addiction is just one of those crazy things. And unfortunately, when people, you know, have a break from addiction, oftentimes when they use again, they do overdose. Mm -hmm. It's just something that happens because their body is not used to the amount of drugs that they used to take Mm -hmm. and it affects them in a negative way and sends them uh, oftentimes into cardiac arrest or they stop breathing or something like that. And so, you know, a uh, drug addict is very, very dangerous to themselves when they've been sober or clean for a period of time because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, every time you use drugs, you know, there's a reason those things are illegal. Something could go tragically wrong. So I would just encourage her process her grief. She is not responsible for that in any way, shape or form. Her dad is an adult. He had his struggles. He had his demons. Uh, praise God for the fact that he wanted a relationship with her and that she had those brief moments and just trust that God has a plan. God's in charge. And we don't know what that is, uh, but we know this that God loves her and, and wants her to change her life. So hopefully it won't become overwhelming to her. And I would just encourage you to be loving uh, for her, be patient with her as she grieves uh, because the loss of any parent, even if you are estranged from them is devastating. So, mm. All right, let's jump into some questions. You kicked off this six week series about vision this last weekend. And uh, you had a, a whole bunch of gr- awesome scripture that you shared with us about what it means to be real. And we've got some questions about some of those specific ones. So let me just jump right off. You shared with us uh, Luke eighteen fourteen. So this is the end of the story Jesus told about the tax collector and the sinner's two prayers. And Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jesus says, you know, they're going to be humbled versus humble yourself. So how do you actually, like, how does somebody in real life humble themselves? Yeah, it's a lifelong, um, never-ending process. And it's it's the process by which we come, become more like Christ. A great passage to look at. This is a passage that I would encourage every Christian to be familiar with is Philippians chapter two. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the story of Jesus Christ humbling himself to the point of death on a cross. And that is the process of life, humbling yourself, uh, treating others, you know, better than you, loving people, others better than yourself, and just trusting that God loves you and has a plan for you. And so I think, um, you know, just when I think I've mastered humility, uh, something happens in life where my pride is revealed, you know, once again, and, um, you know, it's something incredibly, you know, humbling again, where I'm like, wow, I'm a pastor of a church who tells thousands of people to humble themselves and God gives me an opportunity to be humbled and I'm offended. And just so you know, you know, it's really hard to be, it's really hard to offend a humble person. 
you know, uh, a prideful people get offended because mm-hmm. it's, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm about. I mean, how dare you? And so, um, you know, when you're offended, if you're a person that's constantly offended, it means you have a lot of work to do in mm-hmm. humility. And so um, I, I just would always look for opportunities to serve, opportunities to not do what you want to do, but to do what, you know, God has called you to do. And unfortunately, um, you know, those uh, encounters come up on a regular basis. You know, I just had a, a real gut check w- when I was when I was younger. Um, I had a meeting with a very very famous pastor, and uh, I drove there and, and went to meet with him. And I got bumped for something more important. And I made the decision right then when I was 25 years old. I will never do that. I will never ever do that to somebody later on. Well, this week. Um, I got the opportunity to go to uh, a major award ceremony in LA. Uh, it came with hotel, you know, special limo ride, uh, after party, all these tickets. And it's on the same night that I'm supposed to speak at a small church in the high desert, you know, a church of 150, 200 people. And it's all of a sudden it's like gut check. And the reason why I'm like, well, God, I should be able to go do this other thing is my pride. And um, because the reality is God cares about people everywhere, even a small church in the high desert. And so ultimately I made that decision you know, to, to not go to the show because it's, you know, my pride says, oh, you should go there. But what does Christ want me to do? Honor my commitments, humble myself, right? And so what does it say? If you humble yourself, he'll exalt you. But if I break my commitments and I pursue my own exaltation, ultimately God's gonna humble me. And so, um, you know, my wife and I sat there and talked and it was an award show she really, really wanted to go to and she was really, really bummed. And, um, you know, she says, we finally get to go to one of these things. And, and I said, look, man, we, we got to trust that God has a plan and God has a process. Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, we just have to do the right thing. And so you have to say no to your ego. You have to check your ego at the door. Um, you know, famous people are not more important. They're not more important to God. They're, they shouldn't be more important to you. People should be important to you. Um, you know, Jesus didn't party with the famous people. He partied with the bums and the nobodies and, mm-hmm. and that's where he came from. And that's how we do that. So, you know, uh, humble yourself, you know, um, y- your desire shouldn't be how many likes do you get on your Instagram, but how many people's pages do you like? I mean, lifting, you know, I always look at people and they have like one or two likes. So I'm like, I'm liking that, you know, mm-hmm. cause I want them to know I, ca- I care for them and, and they, and they matter to me. And, um, I think that's important. You know, I want my life to be measured by the amount of likes I give, not the amount of likes I receive. And again, it's just every single day, check yourself, check yourself, check yourself. And, you know, what do you look at more? You know, um, your Instagram page or, and how many views you got or other people's. Mm-hmm. That tells you right there. If you, if you checked your own page, which you took the photo, you know what it looks like, right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking at that over and over again, it says you need to humble yourself and just know, man, um, you know, fame is not good for anybody. And, and, mm-hmm. and so just, just be very, very careful. I've seen it run um, quite a few people. So uh, I don't want to be run by that. And so, you know, you just got to make decisions, humble yourself every single day. And, um, you know, so when I come to church, if I see trash on the ground, I pick it up. Mm-hmm. I don't pick up the phone and call somebody to pick it up. I pick it up because, you know, I'm not, I'm not above that or beyond that. So just know, man, pride's a disease and, uh, and it kills people and their relationships with God. So I think I remember, it may have been you, Justin, I remember talking to someone once about like being embarrassed by something or feeling really like humiliated. And I think one of you pointed out the fact that like even humiliation, like the thing that seems to worst us, like has that root of like being humbled in there mm-hmm. and that whole idea. And like, even like taking moments that you feel really embarrassed and realizing like, oh, that might be my pride that's getting mm-hmm. pushed at. It's not a person doing a bad thing to me, but even like being humiliated is a process of being humbled. Yep. Yeah. And pride is always with you. I mean, I had a pastor tell me, once he said, oh yeah, I dealt with my pride. Oh. 
Well, that's a prideful statement. So, you know, I mean, it's like the second you, th- the second you think you've buried it, it's buried you. So just, just know that it's always there, that it's a lifelong process. Yeah, I dealt with my pride uh, this morning mm-hmm. and then also I've tried to do it a few more times. Mm-hmm. You and I had a conversation pride about pride once. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember telling yeah, you that I don't just struggle with pride. This is the PRD show. Tell, tell, tell the audience what you shared with me. I said that I didn't struggle with pride. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think there was a there was a, a a moment later of clarity. You want to share that with the audience? Well, I do. I do do struggle with pride, which and uh, since then I continue to. Yeah. And you give really great ask, advice to those of us yes, who struggle exactly. with pride as well. Yeah, exactly. I was Beautiful. humiliated. I was humiliated in that moment, and then I say, "Hey, man, how do we humble ourselves?" Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Uh, thank you very much. I love you too, man. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Jesus is going to talk in Matthew 23, 25, and he's uh, talking to the Pharisees again. He says, hypocrites, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. Then he says, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. So that seems like a pretty important principle that Jesus is trying to lay out here. What's he trying to say with that? Yeah, so the the focus of Christianity is inward. It has to deal with the heart. Uh, So this is why, you know, we talked about this passage a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, if you look at a woman with adultery, or excuse me, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with you in your heart. So adultery is the product of lust inside you. It's something that manifests first inside you. You don't accidentally have an affair. You don't accidentally accidentally commit adultery. It's something that's plotted and planned and prayed for internally. And so what we need to look at is what's happening on the inside. And so if you are a Christian and it is not affecting who you are on the inside, then you need to ask yourself, am I a Christian? Because Christ wants to deal with your heart. Um, You know, he's not nearly as concerned with the, we talked about profanity this week, of the profanity that comes out of your mouth, but the profanity that's in your heart. Jesus says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so we have to look internally what's going on inside me. And, um, you know, religion is all about, right? How do I look on the outside? Are my kids, you know, do I have the, the, the right outfits? Do we go to church? It's all about what people think about me. And it's not so much in California because most people don't care if you go to church in California, but in other parts of the country, like in the Bible Belt, like if you don't go to church, there's something weird about you. Mm-hmm. And so people go to hold a reputation of, oh, I'm a Christian and they have no desire whatsoever to be a Christian. So it's deal with your heart, what's going on inside you. And um, one of the things, you know, if you want to do yourself a favor in Christianity, learn to listen to your internal dialogue. So I'm not nearly as focused on my conversation outward with people. Uh, I'm focused on my internal conversation with myself. What's the conversation I have uh, with Stephanie when she's gone, right? Cause so, you know, cause I'm, I'm going to have a conversation that's far more real inside than I am outside. And so I have to watch that. What am, what am I thinking inside? What am I processing inside? Um, you know, we're far more like ourselves when we're driving in our car in traffic alone, <laughs> right? Than we are with, you know, our friends and our family members. And so what, what part of you is coming out when you give yourself total freedom and total permission to be and respond and react however you are. And that's, who God wants to deal with. You know, that rage that comes out when you're driving, well, you say, well, I just get frustrated and stressed in the car. Well, I guess, guess what? Being a parent is frustrating and stressful. Being a husband or a wife is frustrating and stressful. Paying bills is frustrating and stressful. And that monster that you're trying to hide from everybody else one day is gonna eat your family, eat your marriage, eat your finances and eat you. So you better deal with what's on the inside. And um, because, you know, it's a mess. And, and we're all afraid if somebody sees 
the actual insides. Um, you know, Tammy and I were watching this show on TV last night uh, on Netflix. We love Netflix. It's called The Crown. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this moment where the queen and the king get in a fight. Spoiler and, alert. And they think they're they think they're all alone. And yeah, spoiler alert. So, but you know what happens? There's cameras. And so this is right when the paparazzi's mm-hmm. just starting. So and all of a sudden they both realize they have been filmed at their lowest moment. Wow. And what's so sad is they don't care about how they were responding to each other. What they care about is this is going what to get out and mm-hmm. what people are going to say. And unfortunately, uh, you know, many of us Christians, we act like king and queens. And the reality is as Christians, there's one king and his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's not me, it's not you. And, and we just need to, you know, we just need to deal with it, you know, because that's where Christianity, the battle for your soul is in your heart. And so um, God wants to, to deal with what's happening in your thought life, in your heart life, and, and p- processing that ugliness and getting it out. And the way we get it out, it's called confession. Confess your sins one to another so you may be whole and healed. And uh, I know Christ is working most powerfully in me when I care more about being clean than what Stephanie thinks about me. And I say, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I need to confess this to you. I need to ask forgiveness uh, you know, for this for you. Um, uh, or Justin, you know, for yep. you. And I just say, look, I care more about being clean. And uh, here's what I did. Um, and I'm, I'm totally embarrassed and I'm sorry, but I care more about my relationship with God and where my heart is than being embarrassed. And I just share it. And um, man, you live like that, you're gonna live a free life. Mm-hmm. So Totally. All right. So this, um, you talked a lot this weekend about the verse Hosea 6, 6, and you talked about how Jesus references that later in Matthew, which we'll get to that in a question later. But the verse is, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Now I'm trying to follow your lead and like read through the Old Testament chapter today. And I'm like stuck in Deuteronomy where it's rule after rule after rule about all of these sacrifices that God demands from people. Then we get to this verse in Hosea where it sounds like really God, like, almost doesn't want the sacrifices that he's spent chapters and chapters laying out. How do we kind of deal with that seeming contradiction there? Yeah, so it's not a contradiction. So you have to remember the people of Israel are not Jewish. Um, I mean, they're Jewish ethnically, but they're not Jewish yet because what makes a Jew is a Jew is a person that is submitting to the law of God and following God. Now there are some Jews today that would lose their minds in Israel if they heard me said that. However, I humbly disagree with them that to be a Jew, one is submitted to the law of God. So they come out of Egypt. What are they really? They're Egyptians. That, mm-hmm. that, that's who they are. They've been there 400 years. You know, mm-hmm. you, if, if you were an American and your family moves to uh, Italy for 400 years, right. what are you gonna be more like, American or Italian? Mm-hmm. So God, bef- before he can deal with their hearts, he has to begin to shape their culture. And so here are the laws and here's how we live as God fears. And so he has all these laws. Why? Because their hearts are not changed yet. They're, they, 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 they don't have a relationship with God yet. They're, they're afraid. I mean, Moses has a relationship with God, but I certainly don't. And, and by the way, if you read the Bible, it says, we don't wanna to talk to God, Moses, you do that because we're afraid. Right. They're not exactly sure what to do with God. Uh, they don't trust him, which is why they spend 40 years in the desert learning to trust God and know God. And so here's what I would say is, is those laws are still beneficial because it helps me check my heart. So, um, you know, it, it helps me, you know, if, if I want to have another God, have an idol, I want to covet my neighbor's wife, my neighbor's car, my neighbor's house. If I want to commit adultery, those things are external signs that something's wrong in my heart. So it's not that those things are inherently bad, just like going to church is not bad. So if you heard me say, you know, all religious practice is bad this weekend and you think, well, I don't need to go to church, you're wrong. 
What I'm trying to say is simply going to church and practicing religion doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're right. And mm-hmm. so what God is saying is, yes, I've commanded sacrifice. Yes, I've commanded ritual laws. But the reason for these laws was to focus and to get you to deal with your heart. And so we're going to get into Romans in a couple of weeks after Easter. And that's what Paul says is, is the law taught me how sinful I, I am. And, and that's the purpose of the law is, look, you can have as many laws and regulations as possible, the purpose of those laws is not to become like the Pharisee who's like, yep, got it, did it all, mastered it. It's to go, wow, I don't have a chance. I don't have a hope. There's no way I can do this. Thank God, Jesus Christ, right? Which is what Paul says in Romans chapter eight, verse one, who will save me from this body of sin and death? Because Paul was a Pharisee who had integrity. You know, the Pharisee in our story lied to himself. Mm -hmm. I'm perfect. I've never done any of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jesus actually has a conversation with a, a rich young ruler who's a Pharisee. And he says, you know the law. And the Pharisee actually says these words. I have done all those things since I was a child. Right. Let me translate that. I have been a perfect Jew since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And Jesus goes, okay, there's one thing you lack. Mm -hmm. So all that you have and give it to the poor. And what does he do in that moment? He exposes the sin of his heart. And it says the rich man walked away for he had much. Mm -hmm. What commands did he break? The first two. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make an idol of yourself. The commandments that he thought he mastered, he, he didn't even come close to following them. He worshiped money. He worshiped things. And Jesus, Jesus is like, all right, if you're so holy, here we go. And what happened? His heart is totally exposed. And so, um, you know, come to church, listen to the messages, listen to the debrief, do these things, not so that you have a checklist, Mm-hmm. So what the Pharisee does is checklist. Went to church, I'm in small group, I'm tithing, I listen to the debrief. I must be awesome. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, when you go to church, when you listen to the debrief, you're in small group, you're tithing, and you're serving, which you should be doing all those things. Those things are causing you to deal with the wickedness of your heart. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so selfish. You know, I'm still doing all these things and my heart is still for myself. My heart is still all about myself. You know, I, I still want, would much rather do what I want to do than what God wants me to do. And we have to check ourselves at the door and say, okay, the purpose of Christian religion, and James says this, that perfect religion in the eyes of God is that that looks after widows and orphans. What is it? It's others focused, not self-focused. So we have to look at ourselves. And if you don't know who James is, he's the half brother of Jesus. He wrote the book of James. And so Hosea is this cry and this plea to the Israelites who are doing all the things. Mm-hmm and completely divorced from God. And I hear this from people all the time in the church. I grew up Catholic, I grew up Lutheran, I grew up Baptist, and I had no relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And why is that? You can go through the motions. Yeah. You know, just like you can be married and not in love. You can be religious and not know God. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And um, you have to pursue that. And um, that that's what Hosea is saying here is, is your guys' hearts are so far from me why has God done all this? Why did God redeem the people from Egypt? So they could know him. Not so that they could do all these laws and do all these things. It's so that they could know him. And the purpose of the laws and the ceremonies was to teach them who God was. And they forgot that. They weren't pursuing God. They were pursuing a checklist that said, I'm better than everybody else. Which by the way, those are the people Jesus encounters when he quotes it to them uh, multiple times in Matthew. And he says, if you understood this verse, you wouldn't be trying to do what you're doing. So. Yeah, so right, Matthew 9, 13, he says, go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So 
he's quoting Hosea 6.6 6 here. What's he trying to say to the Pharisees? Yeah, so Hosea is this, and if you haven't read Hosea, um, go and read it. It's a really, really short book. It's bizarre. Be ready. Put your seatbelt on. It's bizarre. <laughs> so the first three chapters is this prophet named Hosea and God tells him to marry a prostitute. I kid you not, right? So speaking okay. of laws, you know, like, what is it? That's a no-no. Um, what's going on? And so Hosea, this prophet, this guy who's dedicated himself to God, marries this woman who is socially unclean, socially unacceptable. You know, don't bring her home to mama because mama's not going to like her. That's who she is. And he marries her and she repeatedly cheats on him, runs from him, commits adultery with others, sells herself to other people. And God tells Hosea, go and buy her back, go and redeem her. This wife that cheated on you, you know, this wife that's betrayed you. And all of Hosea is a picture of who Israel is. Okay. And so what he's saying is you're going through the motions, but you're still a harlot. You're still the whore. You're still the prostitute because you're doing these religious ceremonies, but your heart is far from me. And so what Jesus is saying is you need to know this first because I have come to call sinners back, not save the righteous. Why? Because there aren't any. Mm. Hmm. Go and learn the meaning of Hosea. And they don't get it at all. They, they completely don't get it. The book of Hosea is a condemnation of the very best that Israel has to offer. Wow. And uh, just like the cross is a condemnation of the very best I have to offer. The cross says Matt Brown in all his righteousness is not good enough for the holiness of God. Therefore, I need a sacrifice to save me. But the only way that's gonna happen is when I'm real with the content of my heart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what the, the Buddhist has to believe that they're enough. The Muslim has to believe that they're enough. Even like Mormonism, what's the difference between Mormons and Christianity? Mormons believe their works are enough. The Christian says, none of my works are enough. I fall completely short. Only God can save me. And how did he do that? Through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, Jesus separates all religion, which is, you know, a self-centered righteousness. I can do this to a God-centered righteousness, which is only God can do this. Only God could repair that which I broke. And so, um, yeah, I, again, I, I beg you guys, go read Hosea, read, read, you know, uh, study that verse, never forget that verse. I desire love and not sacrifice. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And uh, it's not saying that sacrifices are unimportant. What he's saying is he cares where, way more about your heart than killing some animal. So, what would you maybe say, because like I'm hardcore rule follower, right? Like I am the t- person with a checklist. And I think probably a lot of us who are listening to the debrief, who are trying to go deeper, trying to add another thing maybe to our list of that. What would you say is maybe a great first step in stepping away from I'm doing all these things because that's what Christians do to here's how I'm actually pursuing God in the midst of those things. What's a good s- step to get out of the just doing the things on the checklist and starting to actually pursue God. Yeah, so checklists aren't bad. What's bad is motivation. So like I'm married, my wife comes up with all kinds of checklists for me, right? Do this, do that, do this, you know, do these things, you know, because we have a household to take care of and she can't do it all. So what's my motivation? Is my motivation to do the dishes, take out the trash, pick up the dog's poop, walk the dog, do, do all these things so that I can say, see what a good husband I am? If that's my motivation, it's sinful. But if my motivation is I love my wife and I want to please her and I know these things will please her and demonstrate my love for my wife, then the checklist is good. Hmm. Because it's simply a reminder for me to demonstrate my love for her. But as soon as it becomes, right, a weapon for an argument later, oh, you did this? Well, let me whip out my list and show you what I did today. Now 
it's not a good thing. And so um, I think for you, Stephanie, uh, and, I, and I love rule followers. I think, you know, you guys are great. It's just, what is the motivation of your heart? Which is what Hosea 6, 6 is asking. What is the motivation of your heart? And what is Jesus challenging them in Matthew? Where is your heart? Which is the same book, right? Where they say, what is the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? It's love in two parts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says nothing of sacrifices and love your neighbor as yourself, which I'm pretty sure would include not crucifying an innocent man, right? I think that that falls into that category, (laughs) which are are we gonna get to... uh, Matthew 12, seven, because that's the next place that it's- Hit us with it. So Matthew 12, seven, what Jesus basically is dropping down is if you guys knew the meaning, if you had learned what I told you to learn about Hosea 6, you wouldn't be trying to do the evil you're doing now. Hmm. He knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The purpose of their heart is not to love God. That's not their motivation. The purpose is to show this list and say, do you see all the things I've done, Stephanie? What have you done today? I am so much better than all of you. And Jesus has very little patience for those people. Mm. So yeah, study that verse, never, ever forget it. Um, you know, when you tithe and you write your check, don't sit there and say, I'm so much better than everybody here because I give and I tithe, but let that tithe check be, God, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you for all you've blessed me. Let me give a small portion back to you, God. I just appreciate you. Um, you know, Tammy and I have been tithers for 20 years. I, I, I take no, I, I just love God. I, mm-hmm. I can't believe what he's given me and, and I'm so grateful and, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm better, which is why I stood up there with the raggedy shirt on with holes and stains. Um, because the Bible says that my, that my best day is filthy rags before the Lord. And um, that that's the heart. We, we just need to know that God loves us and the cross has made real being safe. So let's talk about that. You ended your sermon this last weekend with, um, yeah, you had brought out your new suit. You were looking sharp, dressed, too impressed. And at the very end, you took off your coat and the shirt underneath was stained and ruined. And, and across it, you'd written a bunch of things like lies I saw on there. Um, I think I saw like sloth or something mm-hmm. on the side, anger, a bunch of... How did you choose what you wrote, like the sins you put on your shirt? Right. So if you've been at Sandals for a while, you may have heard me preach a sermon called uh, The Core Sins, The Core Struggles. And so I, I believe that all human beings struggle with sin, but at the core of those struggles are, are, are these nine areas. And so sin is manifested from these places. And so for some of us, um, you know, we can be a really, really good person, but at the core of who we are, we sin because we're lazy. We don't take care of our body. We don't take care of our relationships. We don't pursue people. We let things slide, you know, and you say, well, how can, how can laziness be a sin? Well, if you choose not to intervene and help people and, and do what's right when something incredible evil is taking place, that's evil. Some of us are afraid and, and we let fear dictate us. And the Bible says 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid. And so fear, like there's a healthy fear, respect for God, but there's an unhealthy fear of, I can't do anything and, and I'm no good and I'm terrible. And that fear manifests our lives. And so we do a lot of the things that we do. Um, deceit, which is, uh, you know, one of my core struggles, which is why I wrote lying on my thing. You know, uh, I care deeply about being successful and, and people seeing me in a certain light. And so, um, I would exaggerate, tell stories, um, you know, and, and, and try to spice up life a little bit to make me sound more appealing. And I've had to completely let that go. And so, so much of my own sin has come from the place of, I need to feel successful. And we're gonna talk about that next week as we, as we run through the nine personality types that um, I see over and over again in the church. And um, I think it will be really, really helpful for people to understand themselves that, because a lot of guys think, oh, I struggle with, 
porn because I'm a guy. And I'll tell you, most guys' core sin is not lust. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Um, something else is causing you to look at porn. Something else is causing you to, uh, you know, put yourself uh, in a position that compromises, you know, your moral standards and stuff like that. And as long as you think it's just simply lust and you don't deal with the root, you will never be able to conquer your addiction. Totally. Um, so... That's one of the things I love about going back to Matthew uh, 23, 25, when Jesus says, wash the inside of the cup and then the outside will come clean. Is that I think a lot of us tend to really focus on like what you just said, like a guy with a pornography addiction or something like that, when instead there's like some deep seated fears or something else that's going yeah. on that are manifesting in these other ways. So it's going to, it sounds like it's going to be a really cool weekend. I'm excited for the message. Yeah. And so, you know, just, just stay tuned and, um, you know, we, we, we all struggle with this. We'll get into it uh, deeply next week. And so, you know, be praying for the message this week because it's not enough to simply say, I'm a sinner. People need to know what kind of sinner they are and what they've done because that's the only way. You know, you can't walk into a hospital and simply declare I'm sick and hope to be healed. Right. You need to know what, what disease do you have? Mm-hmm. How, how, how are you impacted by um whatever it is that's ailing you. And otherwise you'll never change. Mm-hmm. And so simply stating a blanket statement, I'm a sinner is not particularly helpful, um, you know, in particular to people who struggle with anger and, and some other issues that just overwhelm their life. And, you know, cause you can have a person that, you know, doesn't struggle with sexual sin, you know, ties every week, but they're angry and they're a jerk and they're awful and it's destroying them and the people they love. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the root of their sin. And until we deal with that, you know, you can't kill the tree without going to the root. So, and that's what God wants to do. And so that's the prayer of Sandals Church is to go deep, look inside and say, this is who I am. Um, you know, and, and I, I can't tell you how helpful it was for me to learn that my two core sins were uh, deceit and envy. Um, and those are the two areas of my life. So you're smiling. Those are my same exact two. That's why we love each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Steph. Oh, it's okay. I'm, I got pride, so I'm like, oh. Steph, yeah, yes. okay, there you go. yeah, she's judging us right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Man, this is a great episode. I'm really excited about this series. I love it whenever you get a chance to talk about the vision of being real. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, uh, it's super encouraging and inspiring, and it's good stuff. If you've got some questions that have come in from this, man, we would love to get your questions here on the show. Mm-hmm. Or if you are thinking a question when Pastor Matt is preaching next weekend uh, during the message, man, send us your questions. You can do that online at debrief.show and or send us a message via Facebook or maybe even now Instagram if you're following us over there mm-hmm. at debrief. We'll take show. your questions however you get them to us. Exactly. So. And if you've got a question and you know for a fact you're going to be on the live show, tell us that when you ask the question and uh, we'll see if we can make sure to get that question answered next week. That would be... We can try to make it really awkward and like point you like, are you oh, yeah, the one who awesome. asked the question? <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, Matthew in the fourth row has got a question about yeah. a pornography addiction. He's pretty sure lust is his core sin. Uh, that'd be awesome. That would yeah. be awesome. Uh, we, we promise we'll, we'll try not to do that to you, but we'll try knows? not to publicly shame yeah, anyone at the live show. That's our yeah. goal. Really. That's right. We'll probably just channel all the shaming towards, towards Stephanie, if that's okay with oh, you. Yeah, sure. Fine. Well, that's going to be a great <laughs> night. We're super excited. We love you guys. Keep, uh, keep hanging out with us. And before we go, let's uh, hear some more weird stuff. Christians say it's time for learning Christianese. Learning Christianese. I think I'm learning Christianese. I really think so. Learning Christianese. I think I'm learning Christianese. I really think so. Okay, Pastor Matt. We hear this one all over church all the time. I heard it even before I was Christian, didn't quite know what it meant. Then no, I just sort of adopted it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, is, what do people, Christians mean when we say the gospel? Oh, like stand it's like alone, a weird all word, by itself. All by itself, like, oh, oh the gospel Come did to church this. church for the gospel. The gospel's done this. Yeah. I, you guys Have think you that's confusing? To someone who's like, I remember being like a kid in school and having someone say like, oh, you know, like I just 
Or preaching the gospel or something like that. Yeah, I don't so, know what that means. so the gospel is the proclamation that Jesus Christ can forgive your sins and give you a right relationship with God. That's the gospel. It means good news. So the good news, that's literally what it means. Seems like people, like seems like people, like, yeah, Christians have a lot going on behind their heads when they say the gospel. It seems like, I don't know what, what else you could be referring to here. It seems like there's more than just two words and good yeah, news. I, I think the challenge uh, again is there's insider language that we all understand. And then there's outsider language that people, it just doesn't make any sense. And we have to constantly try to communicate things in a way that people understand. That's great. That was, that, I actually learned that I need to not say that. Or if I do, Explain, Explain it. it. Yeah. The debrief, bringing clarity for Christians and non-Christians. Mm. Everywhere.